Welcome back to the Against the Current podcast. My name is Rudy Garcia, and I'm so glad that you're here. Today, we're going to be talking about this one passage in Scripture where we always focus on the four men's, the four friends, uh, but there's a nugget of information in this passage that sheds light into this conversation of the Trinity. Before that, uh, if you love fantasy, like Lord of the Rings and the Chronicles of Narnia, then check out the first book in the Through the Flames trilogy, Forged by Fire, the biblical battle between good and evil reimagined. Will Arthur be able to save his family? Go to RudyGarciaBooks.com and order your copy today and find out. And if you've ordered a copy, thank you. Do me a quick favor and leave a review and rating on Amazon. Also, I have three journals to help you take control of your life. The Fitness Battle Plan. Plan out your workouts and track your fitness journey with this no-nonsense fitness journal. The Prayer Journal. The perfect tool in your relationship with God. Keep track of your prayers and Bible readings with this no-nonsense prayer journal. The Journal. The no-nonsense journal to keep track and get a hold of your life. All three available on Amazon. Enjoy the episode. Okay, so, yeah, uh... Like I said, we always read this passage, and we focus on the four friends. Uh, by now, I think you know what passage this is. This is Mark 2. We're going to be reading from 1 through 12. We always focus on the four friends, but we never focus on... I, mean, we don't, I don't mean never, but there's, there's something Jesus did, a certain way that he spoke, something that he said um, that really triggered some people, and there is major implications to who Jesus is because of what he's done here. So, Jesus forgives and heals a paralytic. We're going to read Mark 2. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, but uh, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came, they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there, and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit. That, that they reasoned thus within themselves. He said to them. Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic. Your sins are forgiven you. Or to say arise. Take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has power. On earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. So we see here Jesus is preaching in, in, in someone's house. Um some I, I believe somewhere in the scripture where some theologians believe this was peter's house that's neither here nor there he was preaching in this house it was packed you couldn't you couldn't stand anywhere without 
having someone's shoulder on yours. Um, packed house. People were listening to him preach, and he was preaching uh, the word to them. His four men were carrying the friend, a paralytic. And they saw that they were trying to get near to Jesus. No one was letting him through. Uh, I guess there were some rude people there, you know? Um, but so they said, you know what? Let's go drop this guy down from the roof. So they cleared a space in the roof. I don't think they really broke through brick. The roof was probably made from like straw and, and stuff like that. So they opened up a space, brought him down. And Jesus saw this. And the first point is the words that he chose to say. He said, son, your sins are forgiven you. You know, Jesus decides to forgive the paralytic sin. He's been healing people. But this is the first time that Jesus decides to forgive someone's sin. And so publicly at that. The response of the scribes is very telling of the magnitude of Jesus' statement. Up until this point, the only person with the authority to forgive sin has always been God. Plus a process of sacrifices and all this hoopla on the part of the Jewish people to have their sins covered. But now here's this guy openly forgiving sin, not covering it or sacrificing a lamb to God. He just simply forgave him. And remember what we're talking about in these a couple episodes is the Trinity and how I'm basically just presenting to you guys why the book of Mark is my favorite place to see the evidence of the Trinity, to see the evidence of the deity of Jesus Christ. Um, because he never said it openly, but he did things that made these people, these Jewish scribes that knew the Old Testament, that they knew the Word of God, they he did things that made the, this person that made them question who is this person that can do these things. That leads into my next thing, my next point: Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right, that's the question. Who is this that the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this who can forgive sins? Who can forgive sins but God alone? See, this question or a version of this question, who is this, permeates the book of Mark. The question indicates a presumption that only God can do the things that this person is doing. And they were not going to accept that this person was God made flesh. Especially, especially since he was openly in opposition to them and their power. Over and over again, they would witness Jesus perform miracles and ask the same question. Who is this that can blank? The book of Mark doesn't directly tell you Jesus is God. What it does is present you with miracles and wonders that in the Old Testament were only things God can do, then ask the question, who's this person that can do these things? The answer would naturally be, well, only God can. But here is this person that can clearly do these things. So therefore, only two things can be possible. 
Either God is not the only one that can do these things, or this person standing in front of us must be God. And they were not going to accept that. It's the same question we have today. Who is Jesus? Was Jesus just a good moral teacher? Was he a raving lunatic? Was he some rebellious rebel fighter, leader, raising up against the political against to fight against political oppression? Was he just a guru? Was he some guy stoned and him and his friends just got stoned out of their mind back then? Or was God made flesh? Did God make himself flesh? Did God step out of eternity into time? Dressed himself in the rags of human flesh? Humbled himself even to become a servant? And humbled himself even more even to death? And death on a cross? That's the question we we need to ask ourselves. That's the question we're asking ourselves as a culture. And that's the question we need to answer. And unfortunately, there's only one right answer. This isn't about opinion. Contrary to popular belief. So as Christians... When someone asks us or someone approaches us and asks us to answer this question. There's many ways people ask us to answer this question. They challenge your faith. They ask us genuine questions about, you know, doubts that they have. Our answer needs to be Jesus is, is, was at that God made flesh. And now, to get to the point of why he did, that's a, that's, a, that's a different story. That's the gospel. You know, that's the fullness of the gospel. You know, the gospel is that God, the Son, the second person of the Trinity, came to earth, became a man, humbled himself to the point of death and death on the cross, died, went to the grave for three days and resurrected, defeated Death, sin, and the grave. Why? Because we were destined to be defeated by death, sin, and the grave. We were destined to die. Not because I have any exterior force. We were destined to die because of our own sin. The Bible says not one is perfect for all have fallen short of the glory of God. Not one was found perfect or good enough even to be able to pay the debt sin required. 
We were all guilty. We all deserved and deserve death, hell, separation from God. But God had a plan. Jesus did all those things I said. To deal with the just consequence of sin. And listen to that. The just consequence of sin. It's not immoral or wrong for God to demand justice from sin. The way Jesus dealt with sin showed us two things. That he is just righteous and holy. But he's also merciful and loving. Because the just outcome of sin is death. And the merciful outcome is forgiveness, peace. So Jesus chose both. He chose to take our place so that we can achieve peace with God. He dealt with sin. He didn't brush it under the rug. He didn't wipe it off the table. He didn't erase it. No, he dealt with it head on. The just payment for sin is death. I'll die. And then he rose himself from the dead. Completely abolishing and putting to shame any accusation or condemnation that was on us because of sin. And now we live in this dichotomy in this uh, dual state of made righteous in Jesus and living in this flesh, carnal, imperfect and sinful nature. You know? Let's move on to the last point. I went off on a tangent, but the last point, but that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. Again, we see Jesus calling himself the son of man, this elevated human finger for figure from Daniel seven. And it's an interesting claim. Jesus says that the son of man has the power to forgive sin on earth and then proceeds to heal the man to prove that. My contention is that Jesus performed miracles and wonders to prove that he was God made flesh. And even then people didn't believe him. And that gets mentioned somewhere here in the New Testament. People are asking for signs when he's already giving to them. There was a parable about the rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man is in hell after he dies. Lazarus is with is with Abraham in Abraham's in this place called Abraham's bosom. Excuse me. 
And, and the rich man is pleading with Lazarus and Abraham. Because he is being tormented in this place. And he wants his family and his brothers and his friends to know so that they can choose God and follow God. And at one point he sends, he says, um, you go back, Lazarus, you go back, send me back. Something to tell them about this. Because if they only just heard it from us, they would know. And either Abraham or Lazarus, I can't remember who tells them, they had the prophets, they had Moses. In the New Testament, they had signs and wonders galore. I think even Jesus asked them, what more signs do you want? Or something along those lines. Like Jesus addresses that point. The miracles Jesus performed were a seal, a certificate, a verification of his status as deity, as God. Jesus didn't come to heal people. He came to die on the cross that provided the ultimate healing. Now, he did come and do these things. The Son of Man doing these things was prophesied. But the healings doesn't save anybody. The healings aren't necessary or required. Because the ones that were going to believe, believed. And the ones that didn't, didn't, even though they were they saw these miracles head on. Jesus came to die for you and for me. To save us from the repercussions of our own sin. Ponder that. This is the Trinity. The Bible very clearly teaches the Trinity. And this conversation is much deeper. There's much more evidence. There's much more things about it. But. I think. This is a good place to end that topic in the sense of from the book of Mark and the healings and the things like the thing, the, the, the healings that are addressed in the book of Mark, proving and pointing to asking this question that you're supposed to answer like on your own. You're supposed to arrive at that answer through study and meditation that Jesus is God. If the only person. If the only person that can do these things that this man is doing is God. There's only one logical conclusion. This man is God. Made flesh. Here before us. The promised Messiah. 
And I pray that he can be that for you too. If he's not. So, thank you guys. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you guys for listening. Um, thank you guys for the support. Share this podcast with as many people as you can. Whoever you think is can, can find uh, some type of value, can be blessed by this podcast. Share it to them. Uh, and again, if you love fantasy and you love Jesus... Check out the first book in the Through the Flames trilogy, Forged by Fire. Go to RudyGarciaBooks.com and order your copy. And if you've again, if you've already ordered your copy, thank you so much. Your support is noticed. It does not go, uh, it does not go by unnoticed. Uh, thank you so much. Um, the next step in, in supporting. And if you can do me the favor, go ahead and leave a review and a rating on Amazon so that it can help the Amazon KDP algorithm. Also, like I said, there's three journals available to you to help you take control and track your life. The Fitness Battle Plan, the Prayer Journal, and the Journal. All three are available on Amazon. Just search them. And then put by Rudy Garcia after. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. You'll have a great night. Thank you.